Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. It's good to be with you again, Father. It is. We are coming to you live from Okaboji, Iowa. Here we are. Beautiful live, fall day. Live for us, perhaps not live for our listeners. Yeah, we always but, say that. It's not live. Yeah. That's the nature of a podcast. It's pre-recorded. That's the whole point. Yep. Do it when it's convenient Here we are at my first ever priest convocation. Is that what we call it? Yes. It's going to become confusing because one of our last episodes we recorded at a different convocation. The seminary and gathering. A couple weeks ago. Yes. No, no, no. The young priest, young clergy convocation. Well, and we also did... Yeah, and then we also did the, um, we were in the basement of the Newman Center Names, the St. Thomas Aquinas oh, yes. Center for the July vocation. A lot of conferences. Yeah. There's been lots of ministry in between the different conferences. We don't just only go to conferences, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, here we are it's again. It's not like that's all we do as priests. We you have one conference plan- after the you've next. You've planned this one. I the, have. What, how's this work? It happens every three years? Yes. So here in the Diocese of Sioux City, every three years, the bishop gets together with his priests. Um for like a four-day conference, opportunity for prayer, and and uh, a conference for continuing education. The next year, we do our annual uh, retreat, and then the third year, we take off. Um, and that just simply means we're not gathering together for four or five straight days, but we're always meeting together quarterly, and all, all priests are doing an annual retreat on their own. We just don't always do it collectively right. together. It just kind of helps the budget. And and some guys have other you know hobbies, or not necessarily hobbies, but routines, where they're doing a travel or retreat. Yeah. They might have like a particular uh, retreat center that they always go to. They might go on retreat every year with their Yezu Caritas support group. They might also be going to continuing education conferences that are meaningful for them. So just for, for budget purposes, for time purposes out of the parish, you know, we don't do this all the time, but it's, it's good to be with all the brothers here. And when we're with the brothers, we're here together and it's easy not to drive somewhere else to try to record Absolutely. And just crush a few podcasts while we're here. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Beautiful fall day too. It is. I've noticed the leaves have just started to change, which is yeah. delightful. It is. Yeah. It's a, it's a gorgeous day here in Okaboji, Iowa. However, you have been going to all over the place, I literally all, all over the, the world. Place. And then you just got back and immediately had to help yeah. run this show yeah i got back about 48 hours ago i was in rome last week as you know for zach jones's diaconate ordination Deacon zach jones next zach jones Zach jones as we call him um congratulations to the newest deacon of the diocese of Sioux city zach jones if he listens i'm sure he does i hope he does <laughs> he spent a couple months with me uh this summer which was wonderful as you know his uh-huh. assignment was in lamar's and we had a great time uh-huh um so sad to see him go but I look forward to see him come back soon yeah he'll be a priest this june yeah so we had a great time. I was kind of playing tour guide and travel agent for um, his extended family that came over. So we were running around the city, kind of wearing those people out, seeing all the great sites, historical and Christian sites. Now, because you studied there for a little while, does it get kind of old? No, is I, it's it, fun. Well, it's it's not old. It's kind of fun to see it through fresh eyes when you see right. kind of the enamor on people's faces when they, Whoa. you know, when they, yeah. Gelato, yeah. This is awesome. Wow. <laughs> In fact, there was one guy on the trip who shall remain nameless, but his wife at some point said, you have to stop saying, wow. Stop Did saying, wow. Came, wow. Yeah. Stop wow. saying, you got to come up with new vocabulary to describe all these great sites we're seeing. I mean, the, the major basilicas, the historic sites of ancient Rome, all of that. 
Uh, but it was good. I uh, just got back about one thirty Sunday morning, and then now the it's next harder. day we go into the convocation. It's harder going there than coming back with like the sleep schedule, right? Uh, d- it depends. I find, well, you, you, you fly through the night going to Europe, usually. There mm-hmm. are a couple of daytime flights on the East Coast, but usually you fly through the night, and then you hit the ground running the next morning, and it's just go, go, go. Um, I usually find that easier because adrenaline just kind of takes over uh, and you're you're just going, particularly if you're in kind of pilgrimage or sightseeing right. mode. I think many people find it difficult to come back to the United States. You're flying all day, so it's just like a really, really mm-hmm. long day. But then the time zones start to catch up with you, and I think the exhaustion of the trip starts to huh. catch up with you. So you can find yourselves like a couple of days later still waking up in the middle of the night. Um, but actually, this both going and coming, I have been so busy that there's been no time to be jet lagged or, or wow. sleep deprived. So I've just been just going, and I feel so, great. Body, you have no time to be jet lagged. <laughs> yeah, I have wow. not scheduled in jet lag. So <laughs> wow, that'll come later. <laughs> yeah, most likely. But it's good to be with you. Um, so congrats to uh, Zach Jones and his family. It's good to be with them, and to all of his classmates who got ordained over there by Cardinal Gregory. Uh, congratulations to them all. Now, were you also ordained in St. Peter's? I was. As a deacon. I was October fourth, Feast of Francis. Oh, wow, yeah. great! Yeah, um, yeah, that was uh, um, a couple couple years ago. Just yeah. a couple, like fourteen. <laughs> so, just a couple. Um, but one of the things that I thought we could discuss is something that happened on the trip. Do tell. Well, there was lots of things that I happened haven't heard on the any trip. any juicy stories yet. This is great. Well, there's probably some juicy stories we can't really share. But yeah, what happens in Rome stays in Rome, as they say. That's know? right. But. No, we were we were at dinner one night, um, and Zach's family was staying over in the Borgo Pio neighborhood, kind of towards the Vatican Museum, a uh, little bit further up from Castel San Angelo, if anyone knows the city of Rome among our listeners. We were coming home from dinner one evening, and I was leading the group back to their hotel, and we crossed the uh, Ponte Sant'Angelo. So this is the the pedestrian bridge that comes right out of what would be Hadrian's Mausoleum, oh, yeah. now yeah, yeah. now Castel San Angelo, in the little pedestrian bridge that comes across to the old city, not far from the Vatican at all. Mm-hmm. And there are 10 large sculptures of angels mm-hmm. designed by the 16th century artist Bernini, mm-hmm. famous you know name around Rome for all of his artistic and architectural work. There's these very large, dramatic Baroque sculptures of angels who all hold instruments of the Lord's passion and uh-huh. suffering. But you just walk across this bridge, and like so many other places in Rome, you're just surrounded by beauty. Uh, there's just Baroque imagery everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, you walk into a church, and there's angels just like up on the archway staring yeah, you down at you. get kind of broke out after like a few kind of. Baroque churches. It's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, but we were crossing this bridge, and I was leading the group back to their hotel, and there was a group of teenagers coming towards us. Ragazzi? Ragazzi. Okay. Um, we didn't fight. No one broke out into synchronized dancing. <laughs> it wasn't like a musical that no suddenly... Switch bl- no switchblades. No, no switchblades among fights and no kind of musical dancing suddenly erupting in the streets. Okay. Uh, we just passed by each other. But, I, I, you know, they didn't even notice us because mm-hmm. we were just one of many tourists in the city. They were all... Uh, these gr- There was probably about eight teenagers in this group. They are all probably about 16 years old. And... Um, what stuck with me is I keep thinking about that that uh, encounter. We didn't talk. They didn't even notice us. But what, what I noticed is that they were walking underneath some of the greatest, you know, Bernini sculptures in the world, absolutely clueless. Mm. Now, for that matter, 
you know, a few of our group members maybe had a lot of wine at dinner that night and probably they didn't notice they were walking exactly. under great art. Right. And to be fair, most 16-year-olds don't ever really know about their surroundings. <laughs> let, yeah. Yeah, let alone that it's Bernini sculptures yeah, exactly. that they're walking underneath. But what I've been reflecting on is uh, how clueless, not only were they just clueless about the art, as, as so many pedestrians are on that footbridge, but I think what, you know, what, what has stuck with me is the cluelessness that so many of us just live our lives under the fact that we're always hovering uh, underneath angels, mm. or rather angels are hovering over us. Mm-hmm. You know, you walk down this bridge and there's these huge angels that just kind of flank you on both sides. Um, and tourists and these little ragazzi of Rome are just clueless of that. Mm. And how often we're just clueless of the invisible world, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we really are outcasts to reality. Mm-hmm. You know, we live our daily lives, you know, oh, I got to run and get gas. I got to run to the store. Crap, am I out of bananas? What's the expiration date of the milk? Get to the babysitter, get to the bank. And meanwhile, the reality of, of true reality that's surrounding us are angels, you know, the presence of God, saints interceding for us, demons tempting us. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a whole invisible world, right? The invisible world that God created before the visible world. And cognizant of that and actually living in that reality, aware of it and dealing with it spiritually, that's actually the, the deepest level of reality, right? Yeah. That's actually the true pil- Christian pilgrimage, living in the invisible world and invisible world up until the day of judgment. Mm-hmm. And we're just clueless about that, mm. <laughs> as were the ragazzi walking, these teenagers walking across, you know, Ponte San Angelo. Yeah. Does that make any sense? It does. I had one of those like kind of meta thoughts the other day too i was like driving back home and i think i could particularly see the stars kind of bright the Mm -hmm. other night and i yeah i just thought i kind of realized like you see pictures of the globe you kind of forget sometimes your place in the world Mm -hmm. you're in the zone you got the blinders on Mm -hmm. it's like so seemingly insignificant right but yet like i'm thinking about this right now Mm -hmm. like i have this capacity to even like consider my place in the in the universe um I'm also reminded as you're, as you're sharing that the times of silent retreat that I've had where my interior life has become so turned on and aware and kind of on fire that the invisible world is like a little bit more acutely I'm, I'm interacting with that. It just reminds me of that. That's where we engage with God is our interior life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we're usually so um, oblivious to. Right. Is that we have an interior life at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so busy, so filled with so many external things that we have a, we usually say the heart, but sometimes maybe that's confusing for people because it's not just our organ that's pumping blood, but it's like the deepest part of our selves mm-hmm. that has this capacity to know and to love and to be known and to be loved. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the sort of organ, if you will, to like engage with the invisible world around us. Mm-hmm. I wonder about previous generations who didn't sit on their cell phones all night long staring at a yeah. virtual screen, but who would just go stargazing at night. You know, how many people still do that? Um, it's great to do that in the Midwest because we don't have the light pollution of some of the larger cities. Um, but to just sit out and do stargazing and just with great humility wonder uh, about the cosmic galaxies that surround us and how small and insignificant we are in light of the the dimensions of the universe and yet at the same time how big we are that god would become incarnate and save us in this arena in this world 
this arena of love here. I'm sure people who've never really encountered that can can think of you and they're like those those ragazzi those teenagers probably just having a good time. Of course, and that and that idea of like focusing on this stuff it sounds kind of boring. Sure, right? But if you've never like drank deeply of reality like that and really experienced reality, like it's the deepest level level of living. Mm-hmm. That level of the heart of engaging with creation, engaging with your own soul, mm-hmm. engaging with God in that space you've never experienced that you don't know how like sweet and delightful it actually is oh yeah um yeah i can just remember moments especially in college i need to pick it back up but i really fell in love with poetry and different moments of engaging poetry or literature or paintings um or art or something like that where it really does lead to this level of contemplation that's that's so it's so delightful Mm -hmm. and it's so much more engaging than like anything on instagram that i could like flick through Right. You know, that would keep me kind of um, distracted for a time. Right. Yeah. I don't expect 16 year olds when they're out with their friends, you know, trying to figure out the dynamics of how do I act in an adult world and how do I just figure out relationships among friends or, or dating situations. I get get that 16 year olds have a lot on their minds and they're probably not just enraptured by the invisible world around us with a religious sensibility. I get that. But it's like the more you can actually engage with that invisible world, the more deeply you engage with your like physical waking life. Sure. You know, it's like the more, yeah, the it's, I mean, that's the Christian life. Yeah. That's you're the, drinking more of reality. Yeah. And right. your, your friendships are more meaningful Absolutely. and your interactions with people are more meaningful. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a great devotion to calling on the angels in the history of the church and not many people do it, you know, today. Obviously, Padre Pio, you know, was always communicating with angels. Uh, St. Faustina in Poland. You, you know, not to interrupt you there, I, sometimes people don't I even know what they are. Would you mind just giving us like a little definition of maybe who the angels are? Sure. And their so, like relationship with us? Right. So angels are, you know, creatures. They're not God. They are creatures like us. They are um, spiritual beings. They don't have matter. They're not material beings. So they're, they're, they're intelligent. In fact, they have a far superior intelligence to us. But that intelligence is existing in a spiritual world without bodies. And those, um, those angels, especially when they're coming to deliver messages from heaven, to be messengers of God, they will often take on the appearance of a human figure just so that we can recognize them. Um, but those, those angels uh, exist as spiritual beings, not material beings. And and we know that there's at least nine ranks of them. I don't know, perhaps there's more. But we know from Scripture there's nine ranks, right? So you've got seraphim and cherubim at the highest. Then you've got thrones, dominions, virtues, powers, principalities, then archangels and angels, right? And we you know, we think of the great messengers and the and the great deeds done by the archangels of Scripture, and we know that each of us has our own guardian angel. Uh, and those get a ton of attention. But there's actually, you know, you know, pretty significant ranks above them. Mm-hmm. You know, there are there are instances when um, scripture will make mention of the uh, the seraphim and the cherubim, particularly like you know you could think of like um, some of Isaiah's visions, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Saint Faustina one time had a vision of a seraphim, as do, as recorded in her uh, in her prayer journal. Um, so, and I've done some reading on all these different ranks. 
and theologians have you know a basic understanding of maybe some of their roles and their functions, but we we haven't exhausted that. Um, people don't have lots of experiences, especially to differentiate the difference between a dominion and a throne or a principality mm-hmm. and a power. Um, but we know that they serve. They serve God. They have a particular function. And, and not only does it have just a function, it just enriches heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, having nine ranks of angels just shows God's creativity. It shows his splendor and his grandeur. His abundance, right. That's yeah. that St. Thomas talks about that where it's more fitting that like all of the levels of creation would be like filled right. rather than just one. There's all sorts of flowers and birds, not just bird right. or flower. Right. Because it's beautiful. It's glorious. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe a, one piece that I think people can feel kind of out, outcast from is how angels are depicted in art. I know people get really upset sometimes about like period art. Sure. That, you know, like biblical characters, but especially the angels. You're like, you're telling me they don't have bodies, but then we have these statues of angels on, you know, old Gothic German high altars or something. Sure. One, one helpful symbolism though is often they're vested as deacons. Mm. So if you pay attention to them, they're wearing dalmatics often or stoles in such a way that they resemble deacons whose job is to serve. Right. Um, or sometimes they actually like have all of the different minor, former minor orders of the church showing that like this connection between what we're doing in the liturgy is this participation in a heavenly reality. Sure. That what we do in the sanctuary, the angels are doing all the time. Right. Ministering to serving God. Yeah, I mean, that's what the whole holy, holy, holy is about when we sing that at Mass. Mm-hmm. Joining, you know, I think is it Isaiah 6, when the when our voices are joining the the celestial chorus of angels in heaven, and in, the, in which there's one voice of praise to God with the visible and invisible realms united. And we come in unison and symphony with that as right. we join our voices to it, yeah. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's just a little bit of, a, of an overview of what the angels are. But there's a lot of people with devotions to the angels, calling upon their guardian angel frequently. My mother does this quite well, hmm. uh, and she often speaks about you know calling on her guardian angels. And certainly Padre Pio, as I mentioned earlier, had uh, lots of communications with guardian angels, telling people, you know, please ask your guardian angel to pray for this intercession, and I will hear that, and I'll deal with it and intercede with you. Right. Uh, he had some particularly you know extraordinary gifts with being able to see and communicate with angels around the world. Um, but the whole point of this is not to get envious of Padre Pio and his spiritual gifts, um, nor is it just simply to say everyone needs to be talking to angels all the time. Um, the point of this is just to kind of have the, the awareness, uh, the spiritual uh, cognition to say there is an invisible world around me, and the more that I actually delight in that, the more I step into that, the closer I am to God because I'm seeing the fullness of his creation the fullness of his splendor, which is always praising him, uh, the invisible world, which always gets to see the Trinity face to face with the beatific vision. And then we are, you know, hopefully one day going to be able to join in that. So calling on those angels not only is asking for divine assistance, but we even start to just spiritually link ourselves to them in one communion of believers uh, in service to God. And the more we do that, I think, you know, our hearts just naturally start to soar upward towards our ultimate destiny to be with those angels and saints in glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one practical way you could actually start to implement this, we could implement this, when you go to Mass, to let that moment of the preface that leads into the Holy, 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 to to realize what's happening. Mm-hmm. And as you call, like, allow your mind to pay attention to that, that can draw you deeper into what is happening at Mass. 
rather than kind of, I think, sometimes the mundane and boring experience of just kind of waiting around for communion right. <laughs> that can happen so often. Right. But to allow those words, especially when the angels kind of and they perk up, or let the images of angels that scatter different churches, or if you happen to be on a footbridge in Rome, you know, <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> to inspire, you know, our upward calling in Christ. Yeah. Right. Well, it's good catching up with you, Father. It's good to be Likewise. back in the U.S. Glad we can be good together. Good to have you back for time. Yeah. yeah, it's good to be back here among the brethren as a presbyterate. Um, we'll keep lifting each other up in prayer, praying for all of our listeners. Please pray for us as well as we continue this ministry. And uh, just in, in a church in which we're starting to feel more and more outcasts to the world around us, uh, the faith can keep you know radiating ever more brightly as saints are being developed. And we'll try and do our very small role in supporting that mission. So good to be with you, Father. Listeners, take care. Let's keep each other in prayer and God bless. Let the angels pray for us. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time and God bless.